0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to not just another episode of She Loved In. We're here today to put the her in
1: conservative.
0: I'm here with my beautiful girl. I enjoying. like it, but
1: I just don't know what to do because we're in front of a camera. What when you were this? talking, I was just like <laughs> smiling creepily. I can't at, even the look camera. at you. Oh, I'm
0: looking at the camera and I feel I like my new glasses are crooked these are well, new glasses because if we look at
1: each other we're like way closer <laughs> than we ever are
0: question though did you notice that I have new glasses
1: oh yeah you do I was looking at the Ray-Ban label earlier on them yeah I forgot how to talk because there's a camera <laughs> in the room even though I'm in front of a camera I just, all the time let's not look at each other <laughs> it seems really like <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're really close <laughs>
0: Okay, so like, are
1: you? Have this? Is there? Has there been a time where we were closer than this? No. No, there hasn't. Okay. And I have we ever hugged? <laughs> I <laughs> seriously don't think we've ever. I was hugged. trying to
0: think the. Other, I to, I think I told Eric the other day. I was like, I've never even hugged Joy, and he was like, How is that possible? Yeah, I don't think we ever. Hugged. We're just not huggy. Anyway, um, <laughs> so now that everybody can see what it's really like when we record our podcasts like is it gonna hurt our numbers I don't think so okay
1: well you, you guys, guys all feel the same way you guys all have neither nobody watching this has hugged us either that's Maybe. true so you know what it's like not to hug Joy <laughs> I also know what it's like not to hug Joy and I feel like our relationship is
0: fine <laughs> are we in a counseling session
1: right now I feel like we're fine <laughs> We're totally fine. It's okay. I don't have to defend myself.
0: It's fine. Everything's fine. We've talked about fine before. It's fine. You guys know how we feel about fine, okay? Um so anyway, I've heard my beautiful co host Joy. And Joy, I want you to know that if I was gonna interview my fami- famous my favorite person on TV. Um, I would want to do it with you.
1: Oh, so you'd interview me or you would interview <laughs> it with me. <laughs> it. <laughs> Who was your favorite person? Ali Stuckey. Ali Stuckey. Oh, okay. She's my favorite well, person on TV right now. I have good news for you. <laughs> do anyway, you? You're right. I am uh, I am joy and i'm here with my beautiful co-host summer and summer i just want you to know mm-hmm. that i would tear apart my office for you every week oh would you though i've decided as i was as i was coming up with this compliment uh-huh. uh, if first it was going to be i would tear apart my office for you and then i was sitting with my hands on the keyboard and i was like every week <laughs> yeah from your deep every breaths week? right now i'm kind of feeling like maybe what. but then i decided you i would was do like it. no it's like when i let that's people- a good act of it's a good act of service yeah. it's good for the show yeah yeah i would do it as it's- painful as yeah. it is
0: it's like when i invite people over for dinner and i consider letting them not take their shoes off in my house right. Right. okay mm-hmm. good good so you guys just saw our- part of our new ad Right? Yes. Margus. part of our new ad, right? Okay. So
1: many new things happening this week. <laughs> we, we can hardly handle. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know where we're at right now. Why are we next to each other? I don't know. It's weird. It's Why like, are we not reading it's the news? Like, it's like
0: when you go out to, to like dinner and you have that moment where you're worried that someone's going to like sit next to you in the booth or mm-hmm. like the chair next to you. It's like, no, you sit across from me. Like That's what you do.
1: Or that's how we talk.
0: Or you're just weird, and it's weird, and I can't even see. I just touched you, and i like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. But um, we did this because, why,
1: why do we do this?
0: Because because we have Ali Stuckey on today. Right.
1: She's very visual in her content, so yeah. She's. we decided we were also going to be visual. And now you guys get to see what it looks like. Our producer is laughing laugh at start. us. <laughs> He's laughing at us from behind the camera. I know. Okay. Because we're insane. I feel like this is... Will we get better at this? Do no. you guys want this? Or should we just stay like a fuck? Let them finish the episode first. Vote now. Don't vote. I don't want to know.
0: I'm having fun. And if, I have to do my due diligence if they hate it. Anyway, okay. So... Uh, this is great.
1: This is all fine.
0: Stop saying fine. Um, so... <laughs> Ali Stuckey, I really need our producer to stop laughing at me. <laughs> Ali Stuckey listened to the talk I did in DC. I don't know who gave it to her, but whoever you are, thank you. And she shared it and was like, this is great. And I always knew that Ali was just like my soul sister. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? She's it like, is. she's just. She's great. Like, you read her Twitter feed, and I just felt like we would totally get along. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, hey, you want to come on our show? And she was like, yeah, I do. And so we invited her on the show. So, Ali, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Can you just really quickly tell our audience that doesn't know who you are um, yeah. who you are and what you do?
2: Yep. So my name is Ali Stuckey, y'all might already know that, Uh, but I started a blog about a year and a half ago called The Conservative Millennial, just because I saw such a deficit of knowledge uh, among millennials, particularly Christian millennials, about what was going on in the world of politics and culture and why it actually matters. Uh, Started making videos, and long story short, uh, that kind of took off, and now I'm in the whole political media world. I work for a company called Conservative Review TV, and I uh, make videos. Basically giving my take on culture, politics, and even uh, Christianity and how that really affects our everyday lives. Um, yeah, so that's me.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, and I first, that's how I first became aware of you because, um, so Joy and I went to, we, we've covered a lot of topics related to feminism and politics. And we went to the Women's March last year. And you did this hilarious video where you were pretending to be a feminist. Um, And one of our listeners didn't like catch that it was sarcastic. And so they sent me this video of you where you were pretending to be a feminist and they were like, can you please respond to this lady? Um, Because she's crazy. (laughs) And so then I started like watching your videos and finding out who you were. And it was just really encouraging to me because it was obvious that you're a Christian and it was like all over your feed. Um, And so I guess that's my next question is you're a Christian, but you're also like a political commentator. So how does how does that work out?
2: Yeah, so I think a lot of times, and we are all guilty of this, I've certainly uh, been guilty of this at certain points in my faith, but um, we kind of have the propensity as Christians to separate what we consider the, quote, secular world from the spiritual world. So we think that politics, the government, even our nine-to-five job, um, music, culture, that's one category, and then Christianity is our other category, and uh, I just don't think that's the way that God intended it. Um, There's really no such thing, really. As the secular world, uh, God made everything, and everything at its base is is good. Consider, I mean, um, including government and politics and things like that. Now, of course, because those things are made up of sinful men and women, institutions always inevitably become sinful. But. Um, at its base, those things are good. And just because they've become simple, doesn't mean that Christianity or Christians should exclude ourselves from them. But rather, I think that we're supposed to infuse light um, into the world of politics and government and everything that you might consider secular. So I I think that that is one thing that I'm called to do is to shed truth, not just theological truth, but just logical truth in general, into the world of politics that so often can be corrupt and can be misleading. Um, um, in a world where it seems like truth is relative, I think it's a Christian's role to make sure that we are speaking truth into that realm.
0: We were all like fist pumping while you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks.
2: thanks. We, we I just, wish I could see you. I yeah,
0: like affirmation. We just really I mean, it's so important that Christians don't back down from these kinds of things and I think there's just a real tension of how do you engage, politically in our current political climate without it kind of always being a fist fight. Um, And I mean, I've seen you, you know, do that really gracefully and do that really, really well. Um, But do you feel that tension of you want to speak boldly and you want to shed truth and all these things, but we kind of live in a climate where disagreement is always seen as intolerant. So, I mean, do you feel that tension? Is that
2: something that you have to work through? Yeah. Absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that you have seen me do it gracefully because I've also done it ungracefully. I feel like Jesus is sanctifying me of my sass, but that's who I am in my core as a person is that I do have a propensity towards sarcasm and sass, which sometimes can be useful, but sometimes it's just not glorifying to God. So I do feel a constant tension and I am completely imperfect at how I handle conflict and how I handle disagreement uh, within my, my politics, especially when it comes to issues that I consider spiritual and moral like abortion it's very hard for me to uh, be meek and even graceful when it comes to abortion even though i know that's what i'm called to do but uh, i feel like i get such a, a guttural and a moral reaction from it that i don't always do it in a way that i know is is christ honoring so i would say that for every christian that's in politics or really any realm whether you're an accountant whatever there uh there is tension between okay how do I engage in this world in a way that is compelling, in a way that people listen to me in a way that, you know, is passionate and might be sassy at times, but also in a way that is speaking the truth and love and is gracious and is kind? And man, in our world of tribal politics right now, that is not easy. But I would argue that means that more than ever, Christians um, have a responsibility to stand up in that world instead of just backing down and saying, oh, well, you know, Jesus is coming back, so none of this stuff matters. No, Jesus is coming back, so this stuff matters even more. Um, It's our responsibility to try to advance the kingdom in the darkest parts of the world. And I try try very insufficiently um to do that by what i do but you know it's 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 a learning process for sure and i'm I'm thankful for the patience of jesus and the holy spirit and, and helping me do that yeah i feel you we've definitely been accused of
0: um ungracious sassiness more than once. And it is a process. I know.
2: I I remember, I'll never forget one time I was listening to a pastor speak and he was like, there is no place for sarcasm in the kingdom of God. And I was like, oh my gosh, just cut me to the core. Why don't you? But it's true. It's true. I do think that there's a place for uh, humor. I'm a strong believer in that, in satire. But sometimes you just got to check your sass at the door yeah yeah I feel yeah. I
1: totally agree. um so I think we can all agree at this point also that uh politics are not a waste of time, yeah,
0: yes, yeah. no, they're not they're not <laughs> a waste of
1: time. no, I mean, you've basically spent you spent a lot of time engaging with lots of people and you've done it um like sort of under the header of a political commentator. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes people, when they think of political commentators that are Christian, solid Christians will sort of assume that the political commentator is not as solid as them. Right. If that makes sense. (laughs) Right. Right. Of course. So do you deal with that? Like people who just think that you're sort of fluffy and like not concerned, like you're a political commentator first and then you're a Christian
2: Yeah, well, honestly, I get it from both sides. So there are certainly people that believe that because I'm a conservative, then that means that... uh you know, I'm a racist and I hate everyone that doesn't look like me. So I can't possibly be a Christian because you have to believe in uh, government handouts to be a Christian, which I reject that vehemently. But that could be a different podcast for a different day. Uh, But then, of course, I get people from the conservative side, too, who think that um, I'm I'm not Christian enough because I don't necessarily think that God is a Republican, um, obviously. And I don't (laughs) think that, you know, God was there Uh, you know, when we founded America, maybe in a spiritual sense, but I think a lot of times people on the right try to intertwine their patriotism with their Christianity a little bit too much. So I certainly get it from both sides that think that I'm either not Christian enough or I'm not the right kind of Christian. But I, I do think in the same way that I think I've heard you guys talk about when you started your podcast, asking, okay, is there a market for this? Is there an audience for this that just wants to hear two girls talk in you know, in a deep and a thought-provoking way about theology? I've kind of realized the same thing the way that you guys realize that, yes, there is an audience that, okay, there are actually a lot of people like me that care about politics in a very practical sense that also care about intertwining it with profound theology. There are a lot of people like me, and that has been very refreshing. And just to get the messages and the emails from usually young women that are like me that are saying, you know, I I appreciate the fact that you are attempting to intertwine what seems like a genuine faith with also a genuine care for uh, politics and the government and civics and things like that. So there are more of us, I think, than I originally anticipated. Yeah. That's
1: always nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's, yes. There are episodes that we've done where we're like, oh, everyone's going to hate us now. Right. But then we oh, get... Every day of my life. Right, yeah. <laughs> but then you, what you find is that you're totally turning it into a catastrophe that's not there. And right. people are, there's a group of people out there, at least, that are supportive and understand and appreciate how you put it or, you know...
2: Yes, yes, definitely. And I also think that if you're not ever offending anyone, then you're probably not saying anything of substance. You're always going to offend someone. And if you're constantly trying to, and I know you guys don't care about this. I've heard enough of you to know (laughs) that you don't really care about offending people too much. And I appreciate that. Um, But if you, if you're overthinking constantly about offending one side or the other, then you should probably just stay home. Yeah. and right. be quiet someone's always going to find something to be mad at and that's just part of the deal
1: right yeah, that's so true well and it's meant a lot of this stuff is meant to be like an ongoing conversation um it's it's meant to be conversational in the way that it goes back and forth and back and forth um right. so there's there's not supposed to be we when well, we've struggled with this trying to uh get that out of our mind the idea that like what we say today is our end all be all statement on this topic or this thing where really we're being changed. We're being sanctified. Um, so there, there's always sort of a a back and forth and a, you know, it's, it's, it's like moving and Mm -hmm. it's not, it's interesting. There's an engagement. It's not just like, this is how Sheologians feels about this forever. This is how Allie (laughs) feels about this forever.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And part of that too is the posture of the person that is speaking and having the attitude that you just described. Because unfortunately, so many people do make statements every day. That uh, they kind of advertise it as this is the end all be all. And if you disagree with me, then you're completely wrong. And I will never change my mind on this because I'm 100 percent right. And uh, that's something that I try to be very careful about because I'm pretty new relatively to politics and I'm only... 25, and so I realize there's a lot that I don't know. And so even though I am very opinionated, I've tried to set a standard for myself to where if I made a mistake, or if I said something without knowing everything, I try to go back and correct it, Or I just own up to it when someone calls me out. And I think that's very important in theology. It's also very important in politics. Um, And I think people really gain more of a respect for you. And you gain a lot more credibility by admitting that you don't know everything and admitting, like you said, it's a conversation and you're willing to be engaged. Um, That, I think, just it, it gives you a lot more. It gives you a lot more respect. And I think people are more willing to be open to convert with you rather than just shutting down as soon as you say your end all be all statement. Yeah. Right. Absolutely.
1: I think there's like a sort of a learning process that's happening as so people are, we're in this, this stage where we are attempting to have actual conversations over the internet and someone's not there. And then in certain situations, like you have, you have a, someone trying to have a conversation with a bunch of people and they're all trying to have a conversation with that one person. There's yeah. definitely just, I think there's a learning curve. The inter- internet engagement is newer than we all realize. And most of us are not as good good at it as we think we are does that does <laughs> yeah, that make definitely. sense definitely yeah
0: well and our generation has been engaging on the internet since we were kids so it feels like it's been around forever but it really hasn't been right and it's like this weird weird thing but um so in terms of how you how you got to where you're at um and what you're involved in did you ever see any of this happening
2: or did it just kind of happen to you Oh gosh, I would say both and. So I grew up in a conservative Christian home. So for all of the people that are trying to put me into a stereotype, I fit your stereotype. I am everything that my basically that my parents uh, raised me to be. Of course, I didn't realize that um, early on in my adulthood, but it just kind of it happened. I wasn't really involved in politics in college. I've always been involved. or I've always been interested in communications. I've been talking and reading and writing and public speaking for a really long time. And so that's something that I always loved. And I grew up, or at least in high school, loving Megyn Kelly. She was like my idol. And so there was something I think in the back of my mind or something far off that I thought, okay, political media would be cool, but I certainly didn't pursue it in a concrete way. Uh, Not until, 2016, I guess, uh, or yeah, 2016, uh, when I was looking at the primaries, and I just thought, well. Wow my fellow millennials really have no idea what's going on. Um, so I started the blog and it took a long time. I think I, you know, had three people following me, including my parents and my husband. Uh, but then eventually I just, I just kept going for whatever reason, even though for a long time I had no one following me, I didn't have any traction. It's embarrassing to put yourself out there without an audience. Um, I just felt like this was kind of what I was called to do. I was in PR and social media strategy at the time, but I knew that's not what I wanted to do long-term. I knew I wanted to be public speaking. So eventually my videos kind of started taking off and getting you know thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of views, and then started working at The Blaze. And this all happened in the past year. Like a year ago, I was still living in Athens, Georgia, uh, doing marketing type stuff. And then my husband got a job in Dallas. We moved to Dallas, I think this weekend last year, two weeks later, I started working at the blaze, which is a conservative media company. Um, then I started getting calls from other media outlets and now I work for the company conservative review TV and it all has happened in the past 12 months. So I can't say that I, I could have planned any of this to go the way it has gone, but I do feel like this was kind of the plan all along, whether or not I was actively preparing for it, if that makes sense.
0: It makes a lot of sense. (laughs) We know. Yep. Yep. That's exactly the same story
2: with us here. Yes. I'm sure. I'm sure. And you guys are done amazing stuff. I I recommend you guys to so many people just because I think there's such a, a need for what you guys do.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That's yeah, crazy. Course. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it is. It's a weird, it's a weird, I, I never saw myself being here, but at the same time, I'm like, there's so many things that led up to this point.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a good way to
1: put it. Yeah.
0: 100%. So, Okay. What? I I have been dying to ask you this. I obviously, I've been following you on Twitter ever since somebody was like, can you respond to this crazy lady? And then I realized you weren't
2: crazy. <laughs> did, you, did you tell that person that I was being sarcastic eventually? Yeah, I was
0: like, no, no, no. I was like, yeah. I'm not going to respond to this because this is sarcasm. And I think that I agree with her on most things. And then I started following you on Twitter and I was like, okay, she's great. Um, well, I do think
1: Christians are getting better at sarcasm, right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Christians are getting better at sarcasm, like appropriate
2: Yes, ever since uh, John Crist kind of has been rising to fame, I think he's helped a lot of us out that, oh my gosh, Christians can actually be funny. Yeah. And And then love. And the the Babylon Bee and all that. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank God for the Babylon Bee. Literally, thank God I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain on a Christian podcast. Literally, thank the Lord. Right. Right.
0: Um <laughs> remind me to never mind. Okay. Um <laughs> so can you anyway, so I've been following you um on Twitter and social media for a long time. And I hope you'll indulge me because Ooh. I just want to hear from you. Um, what do you think what do you think about Donald Trump?
2: Ooh. Okay, so During the primaries, I loathe Donald Trump and people have brought this back to try to smack me in the face with this, who love Donald Trump. They will like resurrect my old articles that I wrote during the primaries that I was like, why is anyone voting for Donald Trump? I don't understand. He's not a conservative. He's not even pro-life. Why the heck would anyone vote for him? And I stand by what I felt in the primaries. I thought that we had a lot better candidates, but when he became the candidate and I was looking at my two Two choices, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. I I just I knew that even though I have moral qualms with Donald Trump, and I didn't like some of the stuff that was coming out of most of the stuff that was coming out of his mouth and some of the things in his past. I had to think about both the moral and the political implications, not just in the next four to eight years, but in the next 20 years. I knew that he was going to name a Supreme Court justice. I knew that Supreme Court justice was going to have probably some kind of influence maybe on Roe v. Wade and you know how many babies would be legally aborted and, and or not legally aborted. I knew that Donald Trump's presidency would probably have a better effect on the values that I hold dear in America rather than Hillary Clinton. I'm a big proponent of the constitution of the first amendment of the second amendment. Um, obviously very pro-life, as I said, and even though Donald Trump might not personally hold all of those values, I mean, just a few years he was raising money for Chuck Schumer, um, but I knew that he would surround himself uh, with people in his administration that would carry out the things that I held dear, both as a conservative and as a Christian. I had to look beyond who Donald Trump was as a person and look more at the policies that I knew that he would enact. And I was hesitant. I was a hesitant Donald Trump voter. Um, But I looked at Hillary Clinton and just how deeply corrupt she was. And I knew that the policies that she would put forth would be absolutely detrimental, not just to our liberty, but to capitalism and to uh, the pro-life cause. And there was no moral way that I could square personally, that I could square voting for her. Now, there are people that I greatly respect, like Ben Shapiro and other people that didn't vote for either of them. I think that is a fine moral choice. Uh, for me, I couldn't justify that because I knew that not voting for Donald Trump would be a vote for Hillary Clinton. And I, I, I just personally couldn't do that. But I do respect the choice of not voting for either of them. Um, and in his first year... He has enacted a lot of good policies. It's been a good year for conservatives with tax cuts, with religious liberty. Um, and even we've seen some gains in the pro-life movement. Uh, but gosh, I, I I just wish that he would stop talking sometimes. I, I just wish that he would. He's been better on Twitter. <laughs> recently but gosh knock on freaking wood is there wood around me okay i'm knocking on that wood not that i'm suspicious <laughs> right right like, just a little suspicious. Just, just a yeah. little suspicious. yeah <laughs> uh, um anyway so i i just I, I i wish that he would have some more self-control i do think decency matters i do think decorum matters i do think morality matters um but as a president his policies are, are actually are good for conservatives and for Christians. So we'll see what happens over the next three years. I'm very, very, very glad that Hillary Clinton isn't president. Uh, but I do also I know I'm on a long tangent right now, but I do also want to say, because I just know that a lot of Christians they and I, I don't have the perfect I actually don't even have the perfect completely whole answer on this, but a lot of Christians couldn't vote for Donald Trump for moral reasons, which like I said, I respect, but I also encourage Christians to realize that when you vote for any politician, even even though, like I said, that morality and decency and decorum, those things do matter, but you are not voting for a savior, okay? You already have a savior in Jesus Christ. He's the only person that's never going to fail you. He's the only person that's going to meet all of your standards of holiness and perfection. There is never going to be a politician, not George Bush, not on the face of the earth, that is ever going to satisfy all of your standards for hope and for perfection. Jesus is coming back. You can put your hope in that. Do not put your hope in any politician, liberal or conservative. So that's that was my perspective too. When I was voting for Donald Trump is okay, I'm not voting for Jesus. I already got that. I'm voting for someone who I think is going to protect the liberties that I think are important for Christianity and for are important for my values. Yeah. Um so that's that's kind of that's my that's take on it.
1: At. My if, long take. If you had asked Donald Trump, he would have said you're voting for Jesus he definitely would have thought that this,
2: this is true and if you ask a lot of Trump supporters they would also say that oh, it's really unfortunate and painful
1: right well and so I think that's where you see people like people what you just said is amazing but people take it too far and they're like so I just yeah. shouldn't be involved I shouldn't be involved at all but really I mean I just based off of things that you said earlier in this interview uh, you know Taking care of neighbor, loving neighbor, is a part of politics. Like the government, the government takes care of orphans and widows right now. Like that's a part of what politics is. So you're really, even if you think you're separating yourself from the political realm, you're not. Yes,
2: I would. Be a little bit careful with that, however, because if you go down that road that the government takes care of orphans and widows, then you get into socialism territory really quickly because, you know, that's not the the government's job. The reason I believe in small government and low taxes and capitalism is because I think that empowers people to be generous and that it empowers Christians to take care of our neighbors the way that we should because we know that socialism doesn't actually make people generous. Um, A lot of central power doesn't actually lead to liberty and generosity and charity Um, capitalism does and free markets actually does. It's just been shown throughout history. And so uh, the reason why I think that politics are important and the government is important is not necessarily because they take care of orphans and widows, um, but because it, it, it needs light. And I think protecting liberty is an active part of being involved in politics. And I would say that liberty and individual liberty is what allows Christianity, charity, generosity, helping our neighbor to flourish. And that's why I think it's important for me and for people in our generation to uh, make sure that we're pushing for those policies.
1: Right. We would definitely, our argument would be that the government should not be taking care of orphans and widows. So yeah. You should you should be involved in it in the way that we need to not have it that way.
0: Yeah. You right, know? right. We're sitting about ten feet from uh, like a hundred t shirts that say socialism is theft. So yes. we're on the same yes. page. Yeah. I will I will buy one. Okay. okay. <laughs> we'll just send, we'll you, just one. send you one. How about that? Like, yeah, we'll send you one. <laughs> great. Message me your address. It's on the way. <laughs> okay, um, perfect. So what are some of the biggest news stories going on right now that you think Christians in particular should be aware of?
2: Well, um, the memo was just released. I don't know if necessarily Christians need to be aware of this, but um, if you've been on social media or even turned on the news a little bit over the past couple of weeks, you've heard of this long-awaited memo that the House Intelligence Committee um, has been has drafted and has wanted to release. I, uh, gosh, actually, I just opened up a can of worms because then I'll have to explain all of this. Yep. Basically... Basically, it's just a memo that alleges that the FBI engaged in misbehavior to target Trump's campaign. So I'll just leave it in a very general sense. Uh, But there's this thing called confirmation bias. Uh, The narratives from the right and the left before this confidential memo was declassified were already spinning out of control. The Republicans were saying this memo is legitimate. The Democrats are saying this uh, memo is not legitimate. So basically, I would encourage Christians, just so they're in the know with the things that are happening, and just so that they uh, can decide for themselves whether they can trust our top intelligence agencies in Congress to actually read the memo for yourself. You can go online and read this memo that was drafted, and you can learn all about it there. But I do think it's important because I think we need to know what's going on with our top intelligence agencies that are supposed to be protecting our democracy, the integrity of our institutions uh, is very important for us to function as a constitutional republic. So I think. It's important for any Christian or just American to know those things. Um I think oh, let's see gosh. What about wow. how about what about DACA?
0: Um I think so for me we kind of inhabit the reformedish Christian world. Um right. and I really feel like that entire universe is super split on yeah. On DACA and what to do about that. But then every time I watch the news, I also get really conflicting information. Like there's yeah, of the conservative outlets are like, well, this is just actually Trump is just reinforcing Obama's policies. So why are the Democrats upset about it? Because they supported it then. But I just yeah. don't know.
2: Yeah. So I. I- so I, I think that it's okay for Christians to be split on this. If you're going to be split on an issue, I think that this is an okay issue to be split on because it depends on what you see as compassion. What I think is wrong is to pin this on Republicans and Donald Trump as being racist because uh, DACA was instilled by Obama in 2012. It's deferred action for childhood arrivals, deferred action. So what that means is, okay, you can apply for DACA, which is a protection that lasts for two years, and within that two years, when you are protected, you are supposed to apply for citizenship, and they could apply for renewals, but essentially, it was just a deferral. So Obama, if he wanted to grant these uh, childhood arrivals amnesty, he could have done that, but he didn't. He just uh, enacted, one, an unconstitutional, but also a temporary protection for them. So if you want to blame a president for not giving full amnesty and full protection, permanent protection to childhood arrivals that came here illegally as children, then you can blame Obama for that. He could have given them amnesty and he did not. Um, Now, what President Trump said is said, hey, I'm going to rescind DACA because it was not done constitutionally. So Obama said, we're gonna protect all these illegal aliens and we're gonna do it unilaterally. We're not gonna get congressional approval, which is why it's unconstitutional. Obama, or uh, Trump said, okay, that was unconstitutional. So in September, he said, I'm rescinding DACA. You've got till March Congress to come up with the legislative solution, which is the constitutional way to do it, a legislative solution uh, for these so-called dreamers, which like I said, are childhood arrivals. Um, And he even gave them a grace period. He said, hey, you've got a month from September to October to apply for DACA if you are a childhood arrival and you won't be deported for the next two years. Um, So it wasn't this this whole idea and this whole narrative of Trump is going to round up. Mexican babies and send them back without their parents is just not true. No one's talking about mass deportations. That's not going to happen. But of course, that's what the Democrats want you to think. This is a midterm election year, so they've got to, you know, politically posture and all of that. Uh, So it's been going back and forth. And then with the imminent government shutdown, there's been spending talks and they have to decide how they're going to allocate their budget. A tat Attached to the spending talks was this whole DACA deal. March is coming up. And so uh, before DACA is fully rescinded, Congress, remember, was pressed to come up with the legislative solution for these dreamers. About 800,000 of them have ever been covered by DACA. Uh, but there are two million illegal childhood arrivals about that are in the country. So Democrats decided to shut the government down um, because they couldn't come up with a solution for it. But basically the deal is now that President Trump has gone above and beyond what Obama ever did and said, you know what? Not only are we going to get a path to citizenship for these 800,000 illegal childhood arrivals that were covered by DACA, but we are going to give uh, a path to citizenship to the two million illegal immigrants that came here as children um, in exchange for a trust fund for a border wall on Mexico and on Canada. But of course, the mm. Democrats are still saying this is absolutely racist. This is a Nancy Pelosi, sweet, sweet Nancy Pelosi <laughs> said that this is a white supremacist wish list. Mm. I'm not sure what the heck that even means because we are basically giving amnesty to two million illegal immigrants. Uh, so, I am also, as a Christian, toward on. This. I believe, I I absolutely believe in the rule of law, and I think that it's actually very. Uncompassionate, if that's really a word, for us to grant amnesty to two million illegal immigrants and completely ignore the people that have been trying to get in legally for years. Our immigration process is messed up, so we need to fix that. But people have been waiting in line legally for years. Who believe in the American dream? Who just want a better life for their family? And they've been waiting in line trying to do it the right way. And now we're just saying, you know what? You don't matter. If you cut, if you cut the line and you broke the rules, and you. You came here illegally we're not only going to make sure that you're protected we're going to make sure that all of your kids are protected um and that troubles me as well and i also think about the men and women in this country that are struggling who are on welfare who uh need who need our help who need jobs who are negatively affected by two million illegal immigrants becoming citizens now that's not to say that all of the illegal immigrants that are here are Probably the vast majority of illegal immigrants that are here are doing wonderful things for our economy. They are uh, adding to society. They are wonderful contributions to America, Um, but they are still here illegally. So that's where I kind of I I don't know. I get caught. I I think at the end of the day, I kind of say, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but. If they're here, the same thing as the refugee, the same thing as the illegal immigrant. If they're here, our call as a Christian is to love them. That's it. I mean, we're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to serve them. We shouldn't feel animosity towards them. But at the same time, there's a rule of law and what's compassionate for a citizen. I'll just say that I don't really... I don't really know i'm gonna pull like a paul like he does in romans where he says something really complicated and then he's like oh glory be to god i'm just gonna <laughs> stop right there and just break out in, in in praise because i don't actually know the answer i really like that <laughs> tactic and i'm gonna use it it's
1: stolen
0: yeah it's okay stolen. perfect <laughs> we'll call it the stucky because i'm ducky and i'm gonna just praise god <laughs> there you go there you go perfect i love it i got a pun in okay <laughs> no i completely agree with you it's such a difficult thing to navigate and i think a lot of time as as christians we think we should have a black and white answer for every issue um and a black and white lens and i do think more importantly than having a black and white lens we should just have a biblical lens whatever whatever that ends up meaning wherever scripture points us is where we should land no matter what the culture says or what, you know, our feelings tell us. And I, I'm just with you. It's a tough issue. I think you're right that we have a very broken system and, um, we are called to love these people and I'm for the rule of law too. So it's just difficult. It's a tough one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a fun question? for her? I do have a
1: fun question. Okay. Um, it has nothing to do Actually, it kind of has something to do with something we talked about. You said that you think decency is important. So I'm going to ask you this (laughs) How many animals can a person own before it's
2: indecent? indecent?
1: (laughs) 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 What do you think? There's really no right answer. I mean, well, okay,
2: it depends on your home. If you live on a farm, you can have a plethora of animals you could have myriad animals Wise. um if you live in an apartment or if you live in a small house like we do and mm-hmm. it, it also depends on your yard um <laughs> and your say, animal okay let me say indoor animals i would say maximum three If you're going above three, then your house probably smells and you don't know it. And that's actually what gets you into the indecent category (laughs) when your house smells and you don't know it. And I think that that is what happens sometimes, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes with more than three animals. That's what would happen for us. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that if you have a, a large yard, you can get away with maybe five animals. A large yard. If you have a farm, you can have as many animals as you want to. If you have an apartment, don't go over two. Just, mm-hmm. just don't. What just if they're small animals? What if they're like oh, hamsters? you know what? I didn't even think about like hamsters and stuff. I was, I was thinking like cats hamsters. and dogs. I mean, sure. <laughs> if, well, first of all, I do. I'm like a little bit worried if you have like. A rat or a mouse or something like that even if you have one rat or mouse (laughs) i'm just i personally am a little concerned i probably it's one too many (laughs) that's one too many rats it's one too many if you have a if you have reptiles i'm also Mm. concerned Mm -hmm. because you have to feed them live crickets that's like that's really odd so i i don't know but if you have a hamster if anyone over the age of 13 has a hamster um, if you have a hamster,
1: yeah. you live it with your parents still because you're a kid, right?
2: Yeah, that I safe think so. So I guess the answer to that would be however many hamsters your parents let yeah. you <laughs> Allow you to so, have. I mean, you can get away with it. I do know some legitimate adults. Uh, I mean, legitimate being relative. Legitimate adults that have hedgehogs. I feel like that's kind of oh, trendy yeah. right now to have hedgehogs. I have no idea Yeah, why. it is. I think it is. Yeah. Um, I would say I would limit you to two hedgehogs. Um, (laughs) I feel like that makes you a fake adult who has a hedgehog. I'm going to ask you Mm -hmm. how many, okay, how many cats Mm. can you have Mm -hmm. before you are pitiful? I mean, I feel like everyone
0: who owns a cat, and I grew up with cats, if you have one cat, you're automatically a cat person. Like you just get weird. I think the presence of a cat makes you weird it changes things it changes you
2: so, okay, see how so because i i do would like to know how i've changed you have the, because the you because you
0: have posted pictures of yourself with your cat on instagram and it was mostly just your cat so you yeah. you have technically catstagrammed which yeah. makes you a cat person like well,
2: what about dogs so you don't think the same things happen same yeah. thing happens to people with dogs well yes. i'm in a weird, Summer, I'm in a weird Summer place I'm recently
1: that. became a dog person
2: joy made she me get a dog,
1: a dog. <laughs> she has okay. a dog now
2: okay yeah, i don't think now like okay i do agree i agree i was telling my husband this when we adopted our second cat from well i hope they don't listen to this podcast <laughs> but um from the from the people that we adopted them from i had to go to the house and get the cat and I came home to my husband and I was like, babe, cat people, true cat people are not okay. They're not okay. (laughs) We are on the edge we're still doing okay we don't call ourselves mommy and daddy most of the time um but true cat people like will walk around with headbands with cat ears on it and weird stuff like that um and that is not okay and i don't see that happening quite as much with dog people
1: i agree i, I think so they summer's attempting to make a distinction oh yeah um between i think dog and cat people are different I don't think being a cat person is bad. And I don't think being a dog person is bad because no. I love all animals.
0: Well, I can't think Me being too. a cat person is bad because my dad has like a cat waterfall for his cats to drink out of. So like, I oh, can't, I, I can't think that it's bad. He's the best person ever, but he has a waterfall for his cats. So right. like, it's okay. And I just found, I'm finding out right now that you have too. So I just want to let you know you're in some kind of like zone where you might go over the what? edge and this is just like my warning to you
2: no okay the real problem is here that you haven't been following me closely enough on Instagram I know <laughs> you know
0: I blame the drive you know I have to travel so long to get here but my husband can tell oh. you I was just stalking you like all week so I hope you'll feel better about that
2: well okay tell me if this makes a difference if this makes me a better cat person my cat's names are Rachel McAdams and Cat Damon well I knew that <laughs> I, no,
1: think I knew that. that makes it that's better. amazing
2: <laughs> and Cat Damon, we actually call him Sweatpants, obviously, obviously. logically. Yeah. Um, no, we call him Sweatpants because he's gray and super chill. And that's my outfit of choice. And so it's like I had to name something. I can't name my child Sweatpants. So yeah, I have, no, obviously. To, I have to name my cat Sweatpants. <laughs> so I think that makes me like a little, I don't know, like
0: cooler. Yeah. I don't know. Totally. I mean, I love you. You're. I feel like you're my spirit animal because gray Sweatpants are my favorite favorite piece of clothing in the whole universe and
2: same pair it with pair it with a gray sweatshirt you got yes. a rocking grout fit and it's like i am done for the rest of the day Sunny. once i hit what the elstonian
0: i'm so happy because i'm just wearing gray <laughs> that's i'm totally with you i, love it. I my love headphone it. keeps dying so anyway i think that's um <laughs> Do you have any more questions for Miss Ally? No,
1: I mean, I could talk about animals all day. I know. Joy I, is a wait, real... Can I
2: ask another animal question? Yeah. See, okay. Let One more thing in, in favor of cat people against dog people, although I will say I love dogs too. And so I'm not saying I'm not a dog person, I'm just more right. a cat person because they're self-sufficient. We cat people do not call our dogs doggos and puppers and all those things and that is what gets freaking weird i'm like it's a dog okay it's not a doggo it's not a pupper it's not a human it's just an animal and the only reason they love you is because you give them food and i just think that sometimes sometimes dog people go a little over the edge with that stuff and
1: they would say the cat people go a little over the edge with their animal that doesn't really love them. <laughs> <laughs> this is my I love well, dogs. We are
2: at an impasse. Then <laughs> see, I love I do dogs not see and a, I love a cats. A theological reconciliation for this no.
1: problem. <laughs> I think it's all. I think all of it's okay, and as long as you're not the type of dog or cat person that's willing to. Violently fight over your differences, <laughs> then we're good. Oh my but gosh. There... I feel
2: like you're talking from personal experience.
1: <laughs> okay, so here's here's what I am I'm an all kinds of animal person. I can't own any animals, otherwise, I could never leave my house again.
0: Yeah. Joy is like, serious about I it. I would be
1: afraid to leave them, <laughs> and they would do something and I'd miss it, or they'd miss oh my me. Gosh. <laughs>
0: it's yeah joy's apartment would be like that scene in ace ventura when he comes home and all the animals
2: come out right
1: that would be joy right
2: so that takes a lot of self-control and discipline for you though so uh congratulations
1: yeah i have to otherwise (laughs) it would just take over my life we wouldn't be here right now it no. would just be an empty chair, and you'd be like, "Where's Joy?" And someone would be like, "She's at home with her animal." She's just with her parrot,
0: or whatever weird thing is happening.
1: Oh, I love parrots.
0: Oh. I know. That's great. Okay, Ali, thank you so much for your time. I okay. So two yeah. things. Two things before we get off the phone with you. One, I just want to encourage you because I know that what you're doing is so hard. You're, you know, we have like a, a an eighth of your audience, and I feel the pressure, and I just feel like. Um, I want to encourage you because a lot of times when I look at your Twitter feed, like I'll just come across things where it's like, this girl's really standing up. She's doing this really well. You know, you'll be talking about politics and saying something. And then the next thing I know, it's like a thread where you're just like giving people the gospel. And I really, that encourages me as someone, a female who's in media and like seeing you stand up for that. And so I want to encourage you to just keep on keeping on with what you're doing. And we just, you We're in your corner. I just really appreciate you. All.
2: And thank you so much. Well, let me say likewise because I just I think that if you guys are so rare in what you do, and I know that we're probably long on time, but I just do want to say that, you guys have been very refreshing for me and such a good resource. So often when I plug into female resources for the Bible, I feel like it's watered down and, and super emotional, almost like almost like Bible studies don't think that women can handle deep theological truth. Like, they'd right. rather just talk BBS. about how like cute Jesus is or like yeah. how sweet yeah. and funny he is. And I've just always hated that. I'm like, I want, you know, deep theological truth, just like anyone else. And I just applaud you guys for kind of going into that world. And if not completely kind of spearheading it for our generation. I mean, I've just, I've learned a lot and I've really loved listening to you guys and and very proud of you guys for uh, being so so bold in this so keep it up thank
0: you so much oh my gosh I don't even know what's happening right now. Yeah okay well I can (laughs) end my day now because it was great. (laughs) Um okay Ali tell us tell us about your new show where people can find it um before we end this.
2: Yes. So CRTV.com slash Ali that is C-R-T-V dot com slash Allie just in case Ooh. you didn't hear it the first time um, and you'll get two short videos a week and then a podcast every week um, and then one longer form video every couple of weeks and it just started so if you go on there and you only see a couple of videos that's because it's only been live for a week that's um, and then of course you can follow me on social media unless you hate cats then you'll probably hate it so <laughs> just don't but if you're interested in seeing my cats then by all means come along yeah. um, I post about them often so that's awesome they're very cute
1: everyone should go look
0: yeah thank you if you don't like her cats you're just wrong
1: also your glasses are really cute
2: (laughs) oh my gosh I lost them I don't know where they are oh Oh, no no. what are you gonna do as of today um I don't know well uh, our house might be slightly erect so they very well could be here (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I'm gonna say that I lost them for now and I'm very sad, but thank you for the compliment. I can just like
0: keep going on because I know. I have like glasses saga galore stories, but I'm gonna let you go.
2: Seriously, Ali,
0: <laughs> thank you so much for spending your time with thank us today. You. We we loved every second of it. Thank you. Me too. Good. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. 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 That was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that this live video is almost over, but. I just, I knew, I, I told you she's my soul sister.
1: You <laughs> did tell me that.
0: <laughs> and now I know for sure because I got to speak to her at length. Isn't there a song about that?
1: Love to put that in here. I don't
0: know. I'll try it's to my find train. it. Yeah. Oh, and hey, if you guys want to see our full ad, it's debuting on the first episode of season two of Next Week with Jeff Durbin, which is releasing
1: February 13th. February 13th. So it'll play as an ad on next week with Jeff urban and then of course we'll release it so that you guys can just watch enjoy it like it. 500 times cuz i watched it on repeat
0: yeah <laughs> so anyway um if you loved this episode or hated this
1: episode either way that's just go great. that's fine <laughs> <laughs> you're totally entitled to your opinion i feel like i just want to say what marcus said you're just or say like, it. Okay, so we needed to do an outro and someone was like, Well, what should we say in the outro? Or what should we do in the outro something to that effect and Marcus goes, um, something fast. <laughs> <laughs> like he's exhausted. Oh. The way he said it though was like he was exhausted by what we just recorded.
0: You had to be there and you weren't. So <laughs> you're welcome. Um, something
1: um, fast and not blathering and giggly. How about so, that? Um,
0: the, the message of today is uh, go watch Ali's new show and help us keep the mics on. We told you there were
1: mics. There are mics.
2: Look at
0: them. <laughs> By going to patreon.com slash sheologians. Donate a fancy cup of copy- coffee. Coffee. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, help us keep the mics on. Patreon.com slash We love you guys and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.